Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that because you're already listening to a podcast. If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. So, some of you guys made Cat cry. All right, so recently we got a mailbox where mm-hmm. we can receive things now, and we've received some amazing things like postcards and presents, and yesterday we got in the mail a package while i was at work and jay sent me a picture of the thing inside and it was nice all right what else are we going to talk about <laughs> uh, a number of episodes ago you talked about trading in your uh, your your jeep cherokee was it a cherokee no, it was my envoy your page oh yeah okay all right. Yes, Paige. You're yeah. You had a um, a wheat penny in a spaghetti bottle that you kept under your seat. Yeah, it and was for good luck. It kept for, me safe. For good luck, it kept in. And apparently, it worked. But when you traded it in the car, your your envoy, you forgot to take that out, and so you made a plea on the podcast at one point. Uh, if anybody happened to buy that envoy and find your bottle with your penny to send it in, right. It would be easy to identify as it was a white envoy. Her name was Betty Page, and she had a shiny sticker on the back. It said shiny, Um, but uh, no one was able to find it. Instead, instead, um, Ashley and Jeremy from Wisconsin uh, sent me a new uh, wee penny inside a spaghetti jar. Well, a different one. There are no new wheat pennies. Okay, sorry, semantics police. Um, <laughs> it is a wheat penny from wheat. 1950, and it's in a spaghetti jar. Mm, and they and they took the time to put it together and write you a nice note and mail it to us. That that was really sweet. And so yeah, I uh, <clears throat> I couldn't wait to show her. So I, I took a picture of it and texted it to you, and and then you wept in front of your coworkers. Yeah, they enjoy that a lot. Yeah, because. When I said, because of course people are like, what is wrong with you? And so when I said, someone sent me a penny in a spaghetti jar, (laughs) it didn't make any sense to them. (laughs) 
but, but I, I explained it. It made sense. And everyone agreed that it was the nicest thing that anyone's ever heard of. It. I would not have explained it because at that point, it's 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 bordering on performance art. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good time, whatever. Anyway, that was really sweet. It really was. And we love this community. Our freak family's the best. It, you know, whatever. Yeah. Okay. You want a moment to gather yourself uh, because you do. You go first. This I episode. do. Yes. I do go first. Yeah. Okay. You, you okay? You good? You're beautiful. Thank you. That's nice. It's not helping. <laughs> okay. Um. Okay. What's something that's gonna snap me out of it? Okay. Um, Will, Willie's doing better. Willie, Willie's doing so much better. Yeah. Thank you all. Um. That should do it right there. John Krasinski breaking character on The Office. That always made me laugh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <sighs> okay. Okay. I'm ready. It's go time. It's go time. What you got for me? I'm going to talk today about a thing. Hold on. I'm not ready. Let's talk today about how ancient Rome was gross. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Gorgeous architecture, incredible minds. Gross, gross people. Mm. All right. Ancient Romans. They had a very different, uh, as a society, idea of what cleanliness meant and how important it was to everyday life. Sure. Um, So they weren't as concerned about, let's say, rotting food in the streets or feces. And um, as long as they could make their way through and do their their stuff that they had to do. Uh, But... in recent studies of Roman excrement that has been uncovered, uh, it revealed how absolutely awful their hygiene standards actually were. Really? They were able to determine this from millennial old yeah. Roman poop? Yeah. Well, yeah they, um, they've discovered some uh, feces that they were able to uh, do some research oh, on. Oh, my God. And have found lots and lots of parasites and infections in fossilized Roman poop, including roundworm and dysentery. Oh, that sounds like fun. Well, it is only on the Oregon Trail. Now, in addition, (laughs) uh, Romans were very frugal, and uh, they didn't just want to throw away the poo that they were uh, excreting. So they used uh, human waste as fertilizer uh, for their crops. See, that's not a good idea. No, because all the garbage that's inside their feces is now going back into the food supply, uh, making everyone sick and disgusting. Okay. It literally... Feeds on itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, also keep in mind that some of the foods that they chose to eat uh, weren't the best as far as choices went. Um, they had a, a uncooked fermented fish sauce that they really liked called garum. And remember, we talked about ketchup and how ketchup probably originated from a fish sauce of some sure. sort. Yeah, yeah. And so this was kind of like their ketchup. And they were big about it they dug it but fish tapeworm parasites were so common in the empire because they didn't cook this fish so it was just old soupy rotting fish rotting fish syrup yeah Yeah. Mm -mm. not a good call and and today you know obviously we would deal with these kinds of issues with antibiotics but they didn't have antibiotics so um in fact they dealt with a lot of uh, parasitic worms in different ways now they didn't know how parasites worked um they thought that 
parasites were spontaneously generated in putrefied matter under the effect of heat. So if something's gross and you've warmed it, parasites can just spontaneously appear. But so they didn't know that these things were in them? That's right. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, And they didn't understand the cycle of it. So, I mean, who could blame them for eating their poop crops? Um, And, of course, one of the best known and uh, most ineffective treatments that they had for every illness uh, during this time was bloodletting. So, definitely, if you're chock full of parasites, you just want to take out some blood. Right. You want to weaken (laughs) yourself as much as possible. Absolutely. Now, food was, as we mentioned, not always great. And there was a guy named Apicus uh, who took it upon himself to eat and record recipes from around the Roman Empire. And there exists a very detailed list of some of ancient Rome's uh, very favorite recipes in the form of what is essentially a cookbook. For example, spade sow's womb prepared with pepper, celery seed, dry mint, laser root, honey vinegar, and broth. It was a particular favorite. Uh, when filled with pieces of pork pounded in the mortar, three brains with the nerves removed and mixed with raw eggs. That was a special treat. Wow. Also, if you're looking for a lighter snack, stuffed dormouse casserole was a go-to. Oh my God. Right? What do they stuff the dormouses not sure, with? Not sure. Not sure. Okay. I would assume some sort of crab meat. Because every time someone says, would you like a stuffed mushroom? I think, yes, that sounds amazing. And they're like, it's filled with crab. Yeah. Thank you. No. no. You can have That's that. Okay. That's okay. I'll nibble around the edge. According to O.F. Robinson's Ancient Rome City Planning Administration, there were 144 public latrines in Rome in the later empire, uh, most of which were located next to public baths so that they could share the water and sewage lines. So let's talk about public latrines for a bit. This is something I know a little bit about. You do? Yeah, public Roman latrines. Do you know about uh, the fact that they may have been uh, token latrines that you had to pay to use them? I did not know that. And they were likely very comfortable places where people would spend time like hanging out socially Mm -hmm. in the latrines yeah yeah and and picture this rows and rows and rows of seats that you would sit on to do your business dozens of them Mm -hmm. and no partitions you know i mean you're just sitting there next to some guy yeah or gal. I don't know if they had men's and women's. I don't know. I don't know. I'm a fan of the unisex restroom myself. Sure. Uh, maybe it was. Who knows? But you're sitting there and yeah, there's no privacy. And what if the guy next to you just had a stuffed dormouse casserole? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Sometimes, you know, <clears throat> I feel like privacy is important, not just for the sake of you know your 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 body and and people being privy to your body bits um but also like sometimes the act of excreting can be personal like Mm -hmm. maybe you've got to rock side to side a little bit maybe it helps if you pull your knees up to your chest (laughs) i don't know what you do but sometimes you want some Alone time. Sure. For getting stuff done mm-hmm. is all I'm saying. Uh-huh. Sometimes you need some space to do your business. All the time I need 
space to do my business. I pretend it's a little fort when I go into a, you know, a, a bathroom stall. Mm-hmm. The one at work, by the way, um, I have some great design ideas for. I'm going to start hanging up art in the little stall and maybe, I don't know, some specialized lighting. Ooh. Yeah. I think up lighting in a restroom would be a mistake. That would be a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. <clears throat> um, and so they didn't have toilet paper. Right. How did they handle this situation, you might ask? Ooh, ooh, I know. Do you? Yeah, I think so. They had a rag on a stick. That's right. And Sometimes a sponge. Yeah, or a sponge. And you would take that and dip it in water, holding the stick, dip it in water, and then reach around and clean yourself off, and then dip it back in the water for the next guy. Yep. Yep. And did you know... That um, the sponge was attached, the the stick was a little bit shorter on that end, a little sure. bit thinner. And if you picked up the wrong end of it, that's where the term getting the short end of the stick came from. I did not know that. Ding. Nicely done. Thank you. By the way, sponge on a stick is called xylospongium. Sponge on a stick sounds like carnival food. Mm, Probably tasted similar, too. I bet. Yeah. Now, when you're talking about number one rather than number two, Mm -hmm. uh, that was handled a little bit differently. If you just had to number one, you'd write into a bucket. And that was called Adolia curta. And the contents of these buckets were regularly collected and sold to the local fullers. For dye. They used it in dye. They used it to clean wool as well. Oh, my God. Wow. So there was no escaping it. No, it was everywhere. Excrement and, you know, yeah, wherever you went. During the... uh, Some body fluid in something. Either your food or your clothing. There was no escaping it. Urine was actually used to clean a lot of clothing back in the day. Really? Great at getting smells out, ironically. And um, That doesn't make any sense. (laughs) And good for stain removal. Um, The first century Roman emperor Vespasian Vespasian, uh, famously initiated a urine tax, raking in a bunch of cash by taxing the public bins where people dumped urine collected from toilets. And the tax was quite lucrative. Uh, Some even credit that urine tax with saving the empire at a particularly precarious time in history. Fascinating. So during the classical period, they didn't have, you know, lush bath bombs, (laughs) um, which I love, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, the pink one with the little stars on it. Mm. It smells like magic. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, removing grime was accomplished by the application of oil. So they cover themselves. They go to these public baths. They cover themselves in oil, get a good scrub on. And then, um, because oil's not easily rinsed off, they would use a tool called a strigil or a strigil. S-T-R-I-G-I-L. Strigil? Strigil. Strigle. Tomato, tomato. Whatever. Anyway, they'd use this tool to scrape the oil off. And that essentially, uh, they thought, was taking the dirt with the oil when they scraped the, the oil off. Okay. Maybe the surface layer. The s- tool looked a bit like a clasp knife. It uh, had a gently curved blade. Uh, and it was said that the Emperor Augustus 
I actually used a one of those tools uh, <laughs> rather too strenuously on his face, which ended up causing sores. So be careful scraping oil off your body, kids. Yeah. Uh, don't, don't. You could get sores. Don't aggressively straggle. Is that, a, could that be a, a, a verb? I don't see why not. Okay. So anyway, after you scraped the oil off, then you'd go into the public baths. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens to that excess oil, though, that was scraped off? Well, that was used for the next person. They would cover oh them in your straggled off oil. At least they weren't frying feces raised food in it. That's true. Hmm. Sometimes ladies would condition their hair with it. What? Ooh. What? Okay. So there were a lot of interesting remedies for interesting maladies, let's say. In Natural History by Pliny the Elder, a Roman author and naval commander, he died in 79 AD. Hmm. He wrote that uh, one of the great cures for epilepsy is a camel's brain dried and consumed in vinegar. What? Sure. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. But it has to be a camel's brain. Okay. The ash, meanwhile, of the burnt camel dung makes the hair curly. So if you're looking for (laughs) uh, a nice bouncy curl, you're going to want to go ahead and burn some camel dung and then eat the ashes. You eat the ashes? It's not clear. That sounds grosser, though, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You did that for a fact, didn't you? Camels didn't have the only poop worth consuming, by the way. Uh, goat excrement could be pretty useful. Uh, Pliny says that an application of she-goat's dung boiled down in vinegar was an approved treatment for snake bite. Which, hmm. to me, is just a really sad situation. Because if you're bitten by a snake that is venomous... Um, you are dying, right? Or your legs, you know, falling off because the the flesh is yeah being eaten away. It's and all black and bloated. All, yeah. And, it, yeah. and now along comes this helpful man covering you in goat shit. <laughs> and you're like, but I'm already dying. Yeah. And yeah. I don't want to be covered in shit. No, this will help. No, I think, okay. And that's, that's where the term adding insult to injury came from you just made that i just up. made that up. but i appreciate it and it works so let's keep moving okay also uh goat dung cooked down the ashes of it boiled into wine uh was a solution for some maladies hmm. tortoise poop also excellent for curing abscesses i don't believe that so um again you're already suffering and then someone wants to put poop all over you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but and then and then they would spoon feed you food raised in poop. Right. There was a lot of poop going on in these days. Not a lot of great choices made when it came Mm-mm. to dung. Mm-mm. Now, finally, on the subject of turds, holding rabbit poop, according to <laughs> Natural History, convinced dogs not to bark at you. <laughs> Well, that's true. And the end. (laughs) Them Romans was wacky. (laughs) My God. That's fucking great, sweetie. And now, that thing in the middle. Here are some bizarre services available in Japan. A cuddle cafe. Suinya. Literally means 
sleep together shop. It offers service to cuddle with young women you don't know. No strings attached. And it's about 77 bucks an hour. I don't know. I maybe could get on board with that if it didn't have anything to do with cuddling near people that I didn't know. Number four, an ear cleaning parlor, which came out weird, but you know what I just said. So it's like a spa where you, you go in and you lie down and then they suck wax out of your ears? It sounds amazing to me. I don't know why this isn't a thing in the States. Sign me up. Number three, wedding guest service. Let's say you're getting married and people don't like you. <laughs> you can hire people to come and pose as guests. Number two, rent a foreigner. Okay, this service exists to provide foreigners for rent in Japan, and it's for educational purposes, so you can learn more about that foreigner's culture. And also, it's great for selfies. And the number one bizarre service offered in Japan Bare thigh advertising space. Yes, <laughs> if you're looking for a brand new technique to advertise your company's product or logo, why not on a beautiful woman's thigh? Mine is essentially a billboard. You're listening to the Box of Oddities. The question is, why? Hey, we wanted to let you know that uh, the live show at Zany's in Nashville, yes. the, the video of it is now available and you can find the link on our social media pages. Um, thanks to so many of you who joined us over at uh, Himalaya. H-I-M-A-L-A-Y-A. Did I do that right? Yeah. Um, and uh, we're super jazzed to uh, share with you this pretty okay video of a pretty okay show. Yeah, it was. it's all pretty okay. Hey, you're not paying for it, so shut up. <laughs> that was so aggressive. <laughs> I'm sorry. That, that did, it sounded far more aggressive than it felt when I said it. I and I. It. I don't mean it to be aggressive, um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's not a professionally shot video, but it, uh, it's definitely watchable. And, uh, next show we do, we're going to, uh, bring a couple of different, uh, cameras and set them up and have it, uh, edited properly. Oh, I thought we'd just hire a professional film crew to follow us around sure. while I yeah. eat Vietnamese noodles. Which has been your dream since you were a child. Yeah. To be followed around by a professional cinematographer while you're eating delicious Vietnamese cuisine. <laughs> I don't know what any of that I don't, means. I don't know what All right. Doesn't matter. Anyway, it's available now. Again, you can find the links on our social media pages. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our Aura Frame, the more I love it. I have kids, and they live about 3,000 miles away, and my daughter is expecting a child, and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the Aura Frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life, Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura Frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's 
A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A frames.com and use code oddities at checkout. And you will save. Thanks, Aura Frames, for bringing my family a little bit closer. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some Fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? (sighs) Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. All right, my turn. Here's the thing. As you all know, Kat and I never tell each other what our topics are going to be. And it's really interesting how both of our topics kind of tie together. No. They dovetail. Well, you talked about ancient Rome. Yeah. Part of what I'm about to tell you did take place in ancient Rome, but not just ancient Rome. Throughout history, okay. there were many people, historical figures, who died strange and horrible deaths. Excellent. So we're going to talk about that. Strange and horrible ways historical figures have met their demise. So I found some really fascinating stuff on Ranker.com. For example, and and I'm just going to tell you right now, it's going to start out relatively mild, but each story is going to become progressively more horrible as we go. Okay, thank you for preparing me emotionally. Greek legislator Draco was responsible for uh, the first written constitution of Athens. Okay. He, uh, He was a law keeper, a lawmaker. And up until that point, most of the laws were just passed along orally, but he was the one that wrote it down and uh, created the first written constitution. Cool. Now, the citizens were just really grateful for this. They really idolized Draco. And by the way, some of his uh, punishments for breaking the laws were pretty harsh. So that's where we get the term draconian. draconian. Exactly. That makes total sense. But nevertheless, uh, he was celebrated by Athenians. They loved this guy. They were all draconian. Woo. That's exactly what they were doing. They, you know, had their lighters going and thumbs up emojis all over the place. Although that meant something entirely different back in that day. Sure. That is a good point. 
Well, at Roman celebrations to honor a guest of honor, it was traditional for the um, revelers to throw their coats to him or her. Would they give him back? Is that- no, no. It was This was a sign of love and respect. They would throw their coats to or on this person. But, but what if, why, like... All, at all times of the year, like when they're cold? is it- No, no, no. Just during a celebration like this. This was to honor Draco. What if it was cold out, though? Would you bring an extra coach to throw? Sure. Would you- that yeah. would make sense. Yeah. But how cold would it get in Greece? I can't imagine you would need more than one or two coats. A light sweater? Yeah, perhaps. According to folklore, they were so eager to honor Draco that they threw... So many coats and cloaks and shirts on him that he suffocated and no. died. Yeah, yeah, that was his end right there. He he was buried under a pile of laundry. Well, that's, I mean, that was nice. I mean, it was out of respect and sure, honor. And, sure, I mean, didn't anyone notice that it was becoming a situation at... Wouldn't you notice, like, when his head became submerged? (laughs) And the laundry stopped moving. Right. Yeah. No, just keep throwing the coats. Do you think that it was, like, a trap? Do you think they were like, oh, we love you so much, we're going to... But it was actually a trick, and... Hmm. History does not say that that's the the case. It appears as though it was accidental. I have doubts, is all I'm saying. How many shirts and coats does it take... I mean, it must have been a huge pile to suffocate a man. And where are they throwing it from? Are they below him? Are they above him? Because I can... Throwing up onto like a stage, let's say, or Mm -hmm. was he Mm -hmm. in just in with the crowd? He must have just been... Was it like a mosh pit kind of situation? Yeah. A coat pit? It was a a draconian mosh pit. A jacket pit? Anyway, go ahead. Actually, our laundry's been stacking up. (laughs) I was beginning to think maybe Draco was in our bathroom on the floor. Now, we're going to go to the Roman Empire. I know we just came back, but we're going. During a period of extreme strife, Emperor Galbo in uh, 69, the year 69, I believe it was the summer of 69, and it was also known as the year of the four emperors. He only reigned for seven months. And during that time, there were massive tax increases. And he was very cruel to the citizens so in January of that year, he was beheaded sure. by some um, rebellious troops who it wasn't enough to behead the guy. They brought his head back to camp and then kicked it around like a soccer ball for a while. And that's where we get the term Galbonian. That's a made up thing. No, that's where you kick around heads. <laughs> it's a thing. They mocked his head and kicked it around. This went on for quite some time. And then, you know, they, they ultimately did bury his head. No word on what happened to the rest of his body. Also in Rome, Tiberius was not only one of the great early emperors, he was also one of the oldest. He reached the advanced age of 77, which back then was fucking ancient. And he died in 37, in the year 37. It, well, they thought he died, but he actually didn't. Uh, he was just really asleep. He was like, I'm thinking about my grandfather when he'd fall asleep in his lazy boy lounger, his barca lounger, watching Merv Griffin in the afternoon. Mm, yeah, no, I can remember uh, 
glorious day where my dad was asleep in why is it called a barca lounger is I, that think a that's, brand? I think it's a brand anyway uh he was asleep in uh one of our reclining chairs and my cousin dustin uh came into the living room all excited to see him and leapt upon my dad's <laughs> sleeping body um in a in a joyous greeting like a hey kind of thing uh, but then my dad uh surprised confused sure just coming out of sleep uh took his tiny little body and threw him up against the wall <laughs> it was a it was a weird day <laughs> yeah it sounds like it was yeah so anyway yeah. tiberius appeared to be dead but he was just deeply asleep he was not well liked in fact he was so hated that when they thought he was dead People started rejoicing in the streets, and there were parties, and then he woke up, and they were really disappointed. Oh, no. So his great-nephew, who happened to be Caligula, smothered him with a pillow, and then the party continued. Oh, well. Yeah. Yeah. Caligula had some interesting ideas. Yeah, yeah, he did. Legend has it that in July of 1471, Pope Paul II. PP2, got it. Died from excessive eating habits. Was it excessive picnicking? It could have been a picnic. I'm not sure. But the word is that he died of a stroke after devouring two huge melons. Uh, But rumors were soon circulating around Rome that the Pope had died not from eating melons, but it was a result of injuries he sustained while being sodomized by a page. Oh, goodness. But that was never substantiated, but that was something that... uh, That makes me me sad, because, I mean, I I don't know the situation, so... Yeah, well... Henry I, one of the very longest-serving English kings. In fact, I think it was uh, was 1100 through 1135. His death came... It wasn't murder. He didn't die on the battlefield. It was food poisoning. Aww. Specifically, he ate too many parasite-ridden lamprey. That's so weird. What is the likelihood that you and I both came up with topics today where we would talk about parasite-infested fish? In the days of old. Look at us. He ate too many of these uh, lamprey, which, by the way, I guess was considered a delicacy at the time. They are fish, right? They're blood-sucking eels. Is that technically a fish? I mean, it, eel's I a fish. I guess. I don't know. I guess it would be. Yeah. I'm just saying it's weird that we both talked about parasite-infested fish. I, I would agree with you on that. Thank you. He became sick, and then he died like a, a, a week later. All full of worms. So, Roman Emperor Valerian was captured by Persian troops. And he reigned from 253 to 260. He became a prisoner of war. He probably lived for uh, a few more years as a captive before he was executed. How did they execute him? Well, they strapped him down and they opened up his mouth and they poured molten gold down his throat. Oh my God. And that's because... His captors tried to um, offer him up for ransom, and whoever they were trying to get the money from refused to pay, so they strapped him down and poured gold down his throat, killed him that way. 
It's kind of like that movie Ruthless People. Remember that one? Oh, with Danny DeVito? Yeah. I love that movie. I think Bette Midler. And Judge Reinhold. (gasps) That's an excellent Thanksgiving movie. We always watch cheesy 80 comedy movies, and that fits the category perfectly. It really does. It really I'm going to write that down. Hold on. Okay. In addition to him being uh, killed by drinking molten gold, his captors then took him, his body and flayed him oh. and then stuffed him with straw so he could be displayed as a trophy. That's a shitty day. I'm really interested in how, I mean, obviously this is horrible and you mm, shouldn't do mm, this. No. Um, but I'm interested <laughs> in how that would have... <laughs> um like you know how they have the um they melt down the metal and then fill the abandoned ant colonies oh sure yeah yeah and then they pull it out and it's amazing and incredible and i've never seen anything like it and i just want to touch it um i'm interested if it would have the similar kind of effect that's a interesting question or would it be too hot and just go through i think that that's probably more likely but you know the the thing in the middle we had uh just recently the guy who had concrete poured in his butt yeah when they when they were able to extract that it was a perfect replica of his uh rectum oh so did they let him keep it (laughs) yeah it sounds like (laughs) sure that's just (laughs) the thing to brighten up one's den (laughs) oh that's not what i would suggest you <laughs> okay i'm just all saying right. it's already it's yeah, custom exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay all right sigurd the mighty he was the second viking earl of orkney and led the viking conquest of what is uh now northern scotland he was a bad mother and not to be trusted he, one of his arch enemies was male brigitte and they agreed to meet for a battle. They were each going to show up with 40 men and they were going to settle their differences. But Sigurd the Mighty was kind of a dick and didn't follow the rules. He showed up with not 40 men, but 80. And he just slaughtered male Brigti and his uh, and his men. It was it was brutal. Sure. So, you know, after he cheated and killed everybody, uh, he wanted to use male Brigti's head as a trophy, as an example to those who might think about crossing him. So he cut the guy's head off and he strapped it to his saddle and he rode around with it. Now, his victim had very distinctive buck teeth. (gasps) And as he was riding along... I know what happened. Did it like... Cut his leg yeah. and he got an infection and died? Yes. Yes. Oh, it's justice. Justice. Yep. His buck teeth continuously grazed along uh, Sigurd's leg, which opened up a wound. The gash became infected with pestilence from the head. Sure. And Sigurd died in agony. I bet. Yeah. Again, no antibiotics. And I think about that occasionally. Um I was reading this thing not long ago about how we are becoming immune to the antibiotics and the antibiotics industry really isn't a moneymaker right now. So we're kind of, uh, we're on the brink of really having a serious issue, but that's not really the point of my story. What was the point? Oh (laughs) yeah. Um, I don't know if you've ever had a urinary tract infection, um, but it's the worst. And There was no way, there was, like, for the majority of history, there was no way to make that stop. Mm. 
And so you just had a urinary tract infection until you died. Oh, my God. And I think about nights that I spent sleeping on the toilet, uh, resting my head on a hamper. And the fact that that only lasted a day or so. Until Just got... be glad you weren't living in ancient Roman times. Right. Trying to sleep on one of those public toilets. People, hey, pass me the stick. You never get any rest. I bet that stick caused a lot of urinary tract Oh, my God. It, I'm sure it did. Man, did we get sidetracked. Sorry about that. And now back to our program. The uh, Peasants' Revolt, Yorgi Dorja-led against the landed nobility in Hungary. Uh, that did not end well for him. After the battle, he was captured, and Hungarian officials forced him to sit on a hot iron throne. Now, while he sat, servants plunged hot pliers into Doja's body to rip out and burn his flesh. Now, people that were his fellow rebels were then marched into the throne room and ordered to bite where the hot iron had been. Those who did were released. Those who refused were immediately slaughtered. So bit by bit, he was eaten by his own men. Whoa. Uh-huh. That's a bad day, too. It's That's rough. But it's also like, when you think about who came up with this idea, well, it was cooked meat, at least. I suppose, yeah. No, when you think about, like, what kind of thoughts what kind of life do you lead when your those kinds of thoughts are the kinds of thoughts that come to you who made up yes. that particular exactly do you think they slept a lot probably no no they had some emotional issues that they had been working through and it they needed to speak to someone <laughs> yeah like professionally and that's a perfect lead in to the last story here Keep in mind, who thinks this shit up? According to uh, Viking sagas, Ragnar Lobrook, which, by the way, by the way, Ragnar Lobrook, his name translates to Ragnar Harry Pants. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Now, I'm sorry, Vikings, right? Yeah, right, right. Okay. Now, these are my people. I know. Now... <clears throat> Please keep in mind that this is actually where my heritage is. Not Papua New Guinea. Like well, less you have than some 1% of the, yeah. from Papua New Guinea. You're part cannibal, part rampaging Viking. I mean, also a little You're a perfect French. woman for me. Oh, and a little French. That's nice. Yeah, that's the softer side of you. I love a macaroon. All right. So Ragnar Harry Pants, his son was known as Ivar the Boneless. Oh, my. Yeah. Was he a coward? No, no, no. Was he very bendy? I'm confused. I have no idea how he got that name. Well, it's got to be one or the other. Mm -hmm. I well, can't think of any other reason. He killed his rival, King Ale of Northumbria, in revenge for Ale killing Ragnar Harry Pants. The execution was carried out using really the most infamous form of Viking punishment, the Blood Eagle. I don't know what that means, but hold on. Okay, so Harry Pants was killed. Yes, by this guy. His son extracted revenge, Ivor the Boneless. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm please let me understand. Harry Pants was killed. Yes, by AL of Northumbria. Okay, and so Boneless right. is Who? revenging Dad Harry Pants's death. Yes. 
against Ivor. No, I.L. of New... I.L. Of Northrumbia. Northrumbia. Right. Thrombus. Yeah, right, sure. If that works for you. Yes. And so he exacted his revenge... Blood Eagle. ...with the Blood Eagle. Now, according to the Smithsonian Magazine, here's how it works. Do you make wings out of flesh? Just listen. Okay, because I I like the name. It conjures imagery. According to Smithsonian Magazine, first, the intended victim would be restrained face down. Next, the shape of an eagle with outstretched wings would be carved into his back using a sword or a knife. After that, one by one, his ribs would be hacked from his spine with an axe. And the bones and skin on both sides would be pulled outward and up to create a pair of wings from the man's back. The victim, who would still be alive, would have to undergo the agony of not only that, but then they poured literally salt. They rubbed salt into the wounds. And that's where we got the phrase... A bird in the hand is a <laughs> no different no, one. Different one. Okay. Yeah. So after that, the exposed lungs would be pulled out of his body and stretched over the quote wings, offering witnesses the sight of a final bird-like fluttering as he died. Oh, because the lungs are trying to inflate. And right. So yeah. Oh. So picture that in your mind guy lying face down all of his ribs have been broken away from his spine they've been pulled upward like wings being you know ready to fly and then his lungs are pulled out and stretched over the upturned ribs and then they flutter while he dies a couple of things um i don't know how you can live through the the part of having the ribs you know pulled up all all the wrong way um that shocks me but i know people are very resilient so okay whatever um but also like wouldn't it be frustrating if you got all of that done except for like the last lung pulled up over the wing and then the lung like ripped or something and you're like god damn it (laughs) i really want sorry guys not even gonna look good now (laughs) i can't put this on my pinterest page multiple norse kings were said to have been killed this way that sounds made up it's proven to be historically Correct. I'm not actually arguing that it didn't happen. I'm just saying. I wish it was made up. That's pretty fucking awful. That is worse than wiping your ass with a sponge after somebody else has already used the sponge. Well. I guess I could go either way on that. Anyway, there you go. Horrible and more horrible ways that people died in the past. I don't know that I want to say thank you. Mm, No. But uh, very interesting. We'll leave it at that. Okay. So, the ice is going out. Yeah, the ice on the lake in front of the house is now receding. Thank God. Maybe, just maybe, we're going to be able to see here in Bangor, Maine, a shirtless Stephen King before long. That's the first sign of spring here is when you see Stephen King walking along the waterfront shirtless. I've never seen it. It's like the swallows coming back to Capistrano. I will say that uh, my dad picked up Stephen King hitchhiking once. That's the end of that story. Okay. He was wearing a shirt, though. (laughs) (laughs) Don't forget the uh, video of the live show at Zany's Comedy Nightclub 
in Nashville is available. You can find the link on our social media pages. We're um, Janine Garofalo is playing at Zany's today. Shut which up. Blows my mind. Shut up. Uh, next week, Arsenio Hall's there. Uh, Dan Cummins from Time Suck is going to be there. Uh, Nikki Glazer, Margaret Cho, Bobcat Goldthwaite. Anyway, they've got a lot of stuff coming up. And maybe something else sometime soon. Actually, there's uh, been some discussion about uh, the next round. And when I say round, I mean maybe more than one show at a time. We might be doing kind of a mini tour. We'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll let you know. So that's it. And we will see you on Thursday. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you. And its fate is in your hands. The Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. TheBoxOfOddities.com On Facebook at Facebook.com slash BoxOfOdditiesPodcast On Twitter at BoxOfOddities And Instagram at BoxOfOdditiesPodcast Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. Hello everyone, it's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be.